0: This is the Press
1: Play Podcast, powered by Explainify. Join us as we dispel the mystery that surrounds video, the world's most popular medium for communication. We'll share our expertise and provide the best analyses, strategies, and practices as we show you how to establish brand awareness, create noteworthy educational content, and drive insane amounts of revenue. Here's your host, Derek Gerber. Hello and welcome back to another wonderful episode of Press Play. And today we're so excited. We have Laura Smouse from Verblio. How are you doing today, Laura? Thank you for joining us on the show.
0: I'm doing wonderful. How are you? Thanks for having me.
1: We're super excited, if you can't tell already, (laughs) but Laura has an extreme background and we want to dive right into it. So uh, Laura, this is is really excited to have you again here, but tell us more about what you do and what Verblio is all about.
0: Sure, absolutely. So uh, I joined Verblio recently as their uh, senior director of product marketing. So um, I'm focusing on some of the more strategic aspects of getting product marketing off the ground for them, helping them choose between a number of exciting opportunities as they grow their content creation platform and marketplace. And uh, it's been super exciting to get to join a company that um, that is working in that area of marketing and that also has all of these opportunities to scale as we look at um, just how much content is being created and how people are uh, using content as a lever for growth. Um, beyond that, I'm a... Uh, doing the math is is sort of painful, but a a 21, almost 21 year veteran uh, in the the marketing space and uh, have spent really the majority of that time working right at the intersection of marketing and technology and probably the last decade or so focused on uh, growing SaaS companies of different sizes and shapes.
1: (laughs) If the resume wasn't long enough, I wish our shows were this long enough because we could talk about all these different topics available on your resume. But I am really curious about all the things that you just said about content because content is king and we hear it everywhere with the new normal that has taken place here. We're all digesting even more digital content more than ever before, more than we thought. Balancing, you know, content digested in life is one question within itself. But how is Verblio innovating the world of marketing with all of this content and everything else you just said?
0: So we're uh, we're unraveling a mystery right now, which is um, how can you really create content at scale for every niche? So I think um, just creating content, and especially when a lot of people were just becoming familiar with the fact that essentially every business out there has to do some level of content creation to get noticed and to grow. And it was a lot simpler. But now that you look at uh, some of the the places people go to learn some of the expertise required to really create content that's valuable, that's something we're extremely focused on right now is how do we help people create quality content, which is uh, somewhat of a vague term and certainly very subjective, but I suspect there's some there is some way to reverse engineer quality and to actually use that to deliver that to our customers. So that's something that we're really focused on is what does that mean for different types of customers beyond just really good writing? Um, And then uh, the second piece of that, I think, is um, because there is so much content out there, uh, the way content's been typically sold um, is by the pound. (laughs) Um, So uh, word count length, but. Um, just the sheer volume of what's out there means that even really good content struggles to get noticed. So quality and relevance are um, the name of the game. And in many cases, that might mean making it shorter, uh, which is a real uh, interesting uh, problem for, uh, for that model, right? It breaks down. So we've been thinking about how do we think about the val- the reason, the emotional reasons people create content for their business and uh, the value we're delivering that, that goes beyond words.
1: That is very well put. And, and there's so many things to unwrap just from that conversation. But you do, you, you on other episodes that we've had here too, you can have general level types of content, you know, the overall, what we expect, the things that we see every day, or you could really get niched and targeted and get and get some really exciting pieces of content created that can even be shorter yet more effective at the same time. So even here at Explainify, we've seen the same thing. Uh, our most popular forms of video are the short form video format. So we're trying to shrink things and make them less complicated, but hit you know the message right on the head and tell that story. So when we talk about genuine content creation, what's one of the first things that you like to do when you're talking to a client about unwrapping this story that they want to tell?
0: Well, I think, you know, for me, um, but their audience is always is one part of it. But I think in, in terms of actually having having clients that are uh, successful with the platform and that stay really in any business, it's um, it's understanding their growth intent. Um, that's one piece of it. There's uh, someone in the customer success space, Lincoln Murphy. He has this concept called desired outcome that I'm, I've am i become obsessed with over the years. So, um, you know, when a customer comes to you, they have a required outcome. Right. And understanding that is important. So, for example, if you were going to fly in a plane, uh, someday people will do that again. You you, uh, your required outcome is that the plane takes off and lands. Um, hopefully there's no... The simple things. Yeah. No trauma <laughs> in the air. But um, when you think about the airlines, we prefer. So I'm a Southwest person, um, but I have friends that are are, are wildly opposed to that. They, the anxiety of not having an assigned seat is more than they can bear. And so um, that part is sort of the second piece of desired outcome, which is appropriate experience. Really understanding what is um, not just what the, the required outcome the customer is looking for, uh, but what is the way that you have to deliver it for them to feel that they've had that and to get that desired outcome. And so I think content is, um, is very much the same thing. When, when somebody comes to you and they say, we need a blog post. Well, that can mean a lot of different things, right? Like The format is actually fairly straightforward. The nuts and bolts of basic SEO are, are fairly well understood at this point. But um, understanding what will make them feel like they have hit their desired outcome is something that you have to do up front. And it's something that you have to do, Period. Um, and I think that that's something that uh, really works in in any of the SaaS companies I've seen. Um, trying to inject that into the process has been incredibly valuable. So um, so like I said, I'm a big fan of that concept. And then, you know, that ties closely then to your to your end audience as well, which is just making sure you have spent the time to understand who your customers customers are um, and uh, making making sure that, you know, maybe that they understand them as well.
1: I love everything you're just unpacking right there. We have a desired outcome and the appropriate (laughs) experience, setting the expectation (laughs) as to what should happen. And we've even touched on the show before. I personally believe, and I've said this myself, marketing is about 50% science and about 50% feng shui and how you actually want to pick up the paintbrush and tell that story. And that's where I, I get really pumped because even from SEO, like you said, most of those things are pretty much understood. You know you need to do it. You know, you need to have those words in the right spot. But the words that you put down, that's what's that's what really starts to matter at, the, at that core level. So having a methodology and a structure to approach the value pitch in all of these different messages, whether it's short form content or longer, you gotta have the feng shui. You gotta <laughs> you gotta bring that to life. You gotta bring that out of people. So when we talk about verbalio, right, in the in the competitive world of marketing. How are you differentiating yourself right now as a business?
0: Sure, absolutely. Well, like I said, I think um, from my perspective, uh, unraveling and actually adding some teeth to the word quality is um, is a big focus. Um, especially as I uh, work with the company to help think about our product portfolio, uh, what we what we expand to do. Um, content refreshes are a big piece of uh, sort of a forward looking uh, um, view for us, uh, which is. Um, it may not always make sense to sell someone more content. It may make sense for them to look at um, a few categories of either, you know, pieces that have performed well and are decaying pieces that should have hit the mark, but didn't um, and actually just refresh those, which like I said, in many cases may mean, Less content. You know, you may find out that that 3000 word post um, didn't uh, actually fulfill Serpentent and it should be a 10 item listicle, you know, something like that, which is um, in, in some ways radical, I guess, when you think about, like I said, just the model um, in the Loom Escape, I was, I was sharing this with colleagues the other day, that the the little island that content marketing is on, you know, and the little speck on that island that we are, uh, people have so many choices. So I think really embracing the fact that um, really great content or great content strategy, great content marketing may involve less content, fewer words, um, is one piece of it. Um, and then I think the other piece is really looking uh, at our foundation. So. Uh, Verblio was founded by journalists, and there's always been a very high bar for entry into our marketplace, so our writers are very talented writers. Um, And so exploring how do we take that concept and then apply this um, fit lens to it, which is... um, there may be a different definition of quality or a different definition of performance in every niche. How do we understand that and break it down and then make that part of the platform and the experience? Um, but the reality too is we're still in a human business, right? So a lot of companies I've been at were really, really trying to make the pure SaaS play. Anything with services, anything with people was really diminished. Um, Verbio has a little bit of a different take, which I think is exactly what you said. It's the the science and the um, and the feng shui, the uh, the human and the machine, embracing the fact that um, what we're selling is actually something that probably never will be completely produced by technology. Right? Um, so I, you know, I am intrigued by uh, some of the AI content creation uh, capabilities now, but there is. Um, you know, discretion is something that's hard to uh, that's hard to automate, and uh, so that's something we've definitely seen as we start that process of um, of trying to reverse engineer quality and what that meaning is to customers.
1: That is perfectly said, and the part where you just talked on the the, the merging of a machine and a human. Is kind of the, the basics of where we're at after 10 or 15 years in automation and AI and all these systems to be at a video production company. I can tell you that I personally banked off of videos to explain these pieces of concept. And while most of it was very structured in the approach, the videos were seen by hundreds of thousands of people and saved how many conversations, how many hours, how many questions. <laughs> so we, we created very niche content. But now with the explosion of more content, we are seeing an accelerated trend towards artificially created content. And it may actually be the next wave of things here in the next decade or so, from what I understand. I I have a few talking points on it, too, but I know that you you love to leverage the power of AI. You and I also know you still need that human element. Maybe you can touch on that just a little bit.
0: Yeah, well, I think um, I, I don't envy you uh, working at, to solve those questions with video because I think <laughs> video is in- incredibly tough. There's just a few additional layers that go beyond the written word that that make it even harder. You know, I think, you know, in the not so not so distant past, I did a lot with uh, using AI for conversational commerce Um with SMS messaging and web chat, and I spent a lot of time doing conversation design. So, really getting into the uh, nuts and bolts—not just of how how does this technology function, but how do you design conversations that achieve what you would be trying to achieve? And I think what it came down to for me was being really honest about—you um, know—you could look at it two ways. You could say being really honest about what AI is good at and not good at, or you could say being really honest about what humans are good at and not good at. Right? Because I think that that's—I I think. AI cannot quite replicate a fully natural human conversation yet, um, or you know, not not in every context for sure. But at the same time, I think humans are actually much more fallible than they think. I don't know if you're a fan of The Office, but um, when, wow. when, yeah, well, <laughs> I think what most most people are, but uh, when Michael Scott briefly takes the telemarketing job at night. And the um, his boss just cannot figure out like why he cannot stick to the script. Um, I think you know if you've had any interaction with like a call center environment or things like that, you know, perfecting scripts is one thing, right? I think even getting to a point where an organization even agrees this is the conversation we have to sell this repeatedly, but then actually getting humans to execute it um, and then having them understand where where can you deviate and where can you not deviate to get this expected level of performance we're way worse than that than we think. Um, AI is actually really good at some of that stuff, right? If you have a formula that's working, delivering that formula um, and being able to pinpoint, um, you know, when it worked and when it didn't work uh, actually works pretty well. Um, I think, um, you know, some of the other things that it's not good at, um, certainly I think um, understanding complex conversations that can have many unexpected turns. uh, Those are some places where, it really depends how much time you want to invest, but in some cases it's not worth it. Right. Um, I think there are, uh, you know, there are some situations where, you know, there is, there really is an 80, 20 rule. I, I can think of, um, events, right. In-person events. Um, if we remember them. So, uh, the typical questions that people would ask the chat bot that we were working with, with some of our event marketers was like, what's the wifi password? You know, where's the food When's so-and-so speaking? I mean, uh, where's the bathroom? Something about parking. You know, there's, there are, um, there's a, you can knock out most of those questions with AI, but um, when you get into uh, complex conversations, like you want to sell a technology that has a lot of um, like proprietary terms and things where it's not really part of natural language, it's not great, you know, and I think the amount of training that you have to do to, um, to get, and if you give someone the wrong answer, it's really the wrong answer. (laughs) Some of those places, I think people need to accept that it may not really provide an assist. So, you know, back to your original question, I think being really honest about what humans are good at and not good at, and trying to use the machines to help in those places where they're not good is, uh, is it, and then I, you know, I think there's another aspect, which is, um, we should let them be good at the things they're good at. Uh, there's no reason to force someone to have a live demo with a salesperson if they can get a, you know, if your if your product and your product marketing and your video resources and other things, or you're even if you know if you have a trial, it's even better, are are strong enough. Don't don't make them do that. Give them the information at one in the morning when they're doing that research and let them have it and trust that um, you've you've done a good enough job uh, explaining how you fit their need that you don't need to force them onto a call to get a simple answer as to how your product works. You know, I think just, you know, be, being a little um, not taking ourselves quite so seriously and not thinking that what we do is so precious.
1: <laughs> that is, that is actually well said because yeah, it it is kind of like running your own football team or your sports team. You got different players on the field and you just yeah. have to acknowledge who can do what. <laughs> Sometimes some someone's better at throwing a football than the next person who can run it better. So um, mm-hmm. There are many different ways to, to break that down. It's, it's like playing chess instead of checkers, in a sense. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's beyond old basics of just onesie twosies. We have many complicated pieces across the, you know, in the entire spectrum of business, right? From content creation to digital marketing and execution. We often find tensions between strategy and then the actual execution part. And so when we look at all these different roles and the capabilities, you're absolutely right. You can train artificial intelligence to probably cover most conversations. But when it gets into the innuendos, the special words, the special positioning, um, all the little different aspects that come into a sale... There's only so much you can do before, really, a person should be involved in your content should be roughly built the same. There are things that you can do with automation to expand your capabilities and scalabilities, of course. But don't forget the feng shui part. What should that experience be? What should that appropriate experience and expectation be? Be set from the start, look like for that client. That's kind of where I get into it for myself is that yes, you can tell a robot to do 2000 different things and you're likely to get that one request you didn't plan for. How do you address that? How do you deal with that? And there's ways to, to create self-guided content so people can buy things themselves. Most buyers buy something before they speak to the sales person. So when we're in this mix, just remember the purpose of your content goes beyond just maybe what you thought before if you were playing checkers. Think of it just a little bit deeper. And remember, AI doesn't solve everything, but humans and AI together, that's, that's the, the, the magic ticket in my mind. When you When you find out that robots and automation aren't really job replacement tools. They're people enhancement and scalability resources available that when you can make that switch in your head and you realize you can evolve with that too, you could be a very dangerous person in what you do in marketing.
0: (laughs) That's very true. And that's well put. And I think, you know, that was something where, you know, I think that question was a few years back. It was a very hot topic, you know, will, will the machines replace us? Um, Which I suppose, you know, is an existential question, but you know, I, I think that the, the most optimistic, you know, sort of human macroeconomic scenario is that they replace the, um, the low skill jobs and allow people to uh, expand their skill set to more strategic value generating positions that give them a better quality of life, give customers a better experience of your products. You know, whether or not all companies leverage it that way, I don't know. But I think that that, that potential is certainly there. Um, And like you said, I think understanding that when you have a bunch of salespeople having conversations, the degree to which what they're hearing is captured is going to be highly dependent on your processes, your tooling, and the individuals. When you have that conversation, for example, you know, in a, like um, with a chatbot or something like that, that's all data that you can mine. Um, and you can, if you're open and you're looking for it, you can spot those things you didn't expect and uh, and adjust. And I think to your point with the sort of uh, short form video content, things like that, if you haven't put all of your eggs in this one basket that um, was just you planning it and you pushing what you wanted to say and, you know, you producing it and you actually create some room to create additional resources, adjust what you have, um, have a little bit more nimble of a, an approach. Um, you can, uh, of course, correct from just observing the way people are interacting.
1: All right. All right. So let's, let's get the context of where we're at. We went from the top level. We understand that, yes, we need to make content. It needs to be genuine, insightful, And helpful content. But by the way, you have this thing called AI that can support you in your ability to get things done. We know that content needs to be structured in a certain way. There are best practices to it. But nobody has all of the color palettes available for us to just go mock up the second half of what we want the brand and the experience to be like for that person. So let's get down into more of the weeds of what you're saying. Perhaps there are some stories or some examples here that you've got, but what innovative ways have you personally seen businesses lately uh, using SEO to produce better leads, given what we're saying, faster to conversion, better quality, etc.?
0: Oh, that is a that is a very good question. Um, I mean, I think that the people who the people who do it best, or the customers that we have that I see that I think are the most successful, are the ones who, um, like I said, have a. Uh, especially, I think there's a lot of agencies that are specifically in the SEO space that are very like um like hyper niche agencies. So they have a super specific type of customer that they serve. They are experts at understanding how people find, like look for that type of business or find that type of content. And then they can even get down into some of the, the geo or local stuff. So they, you know, they can help you, you know, find this, uh, I don't know, I'll make this up, but this sort of very specific plumber in uh, Macon, Georgia, or, you know, this particular type of attorney in this one particular location uh, so again, I think really focusing on an extreme niche and being extremely, extremely good at it. Um, and I think that's how, um, that's how they're helping people, um, you know, in those, especially in those areas where it it matters that you're on the first page or even one of the first two spots, you know, you don't hire six personal injury attorneys, but just getting super good at that and being okay with the fact that that is their one profile and that they, um, help them just sort of absolutely crush the, the, their competition. Right. Um, and then th- those folks, I think, are also more commonly out front in terms of um, things like refreshes and understanding how do we uh, help people preserve the position that they've earned and like proactively doing uh, doing that.
1: I love I love it because it, it's literally touching on the whole aspect of where we're at in, in the whole purpose of this show is that you can just be really generic and just play checkers, or if you know that you have got something really special and you've got that niche and you have the ability to pull it off and speak to that audience, you are much, much more likely to rank faster by creating this very niche specific content around, you know, a, a focused segment of what are, and, you know, when, when, what we're getting at is what does your business do? Well, everything who would buy it? Well, everyone, what do? <laughs> you do? Like, who's your demo? Who's your demographic, right? When you watch TV commercials, when you're searching for articles online, everybody has this in mind. They know who their target audience is. So don't, yeah, you know, lesson here from this for the audience is don't be super generic. If you're going to just do the basics, okay. But if you're looking for results and increasing, you know, the, the lifetime customer value, your LTV, <laughs> you, you know, there are business aspects and results that need to be had here too. Um, you know, there are, there are things to be done. And if you're not measuring, you are not improving. So that's also really important. Um, you know, maybe that's something that we can touch on for the audience is that do you have maybe like a top two or three things you like to focus on and, um, in different aspects of content creation that help guide and measure success for you?
0: I mean, I I think, you know, traffic is an obvious one, I suppose if no one is, um, actually, uh, or if the volume of people that are coming to, to, and, and I would say this, you know, my focus is much more on, um, you know, there are people who are experts at sort of page level optimization or performance. Um, my view would be um, you want your content library as a whole performing for your business. So you need page level performance to get there. But it's really over time, I think, the collection of things that establish credibility that are going to be what sustains you. But I think, you know, either way, you still do need, um, an aggregate, some level of traffic, right. Um, so understanding, um, where, where are you able to carve out a little space and where can you credibly create enough content over a long enough period of time that truly adds value, um, to, uh, to, to get, um, to get some amount of traffic that's going to give you the opportunity to have that conversation or the potentially, you know, steer someone towards some type of conversion. So I think that's one piece of it. Um, you know, I, I, I would say, um, and this might be a, a SaaS marketer bias, but I do think like frequency and recency of of content consumption um, or some of those engagement measures for me are um, definitely something that would be more of a focus. I, I think to, and again, over time, I think focusing on, um, even if you serve a slightly broader base, focusing your content on one very specific profile. An example would be, um, you know, not just having marketing automation, but marketing automation, maybe just for e-commerce brands and maybe just for direct to consumer, like, you know, sort of focus like that mold, right? That high growth direct to consumer company, because they want to interact with their cost. Their entire brand is built on a certain type of relationship and interaction with their customer. And if you can um, be giving those type of marketers cues on how to use, well, whether it's your technology or somebody else, how to use uh, marketing to uh, in a very specific way, like down to the content you're using, the um the touch points that you really focus on, the frequency, the um even down to things like um, discounting and promotion strategy and things like that that might not typically be part of what you know, a, a g- generic marketing automation platform would talk about. I think that's where you start to add value. Um, so, you know, in my mind, It's how do we get people that are coming? How do we look at those indicators that are showing that people are coming to us to help them do their job, right? We are showing that we have that level of credibility. Um, That might not be the exact same in every industry, because like I said, you know, you only you only buy a mattress once every X number of years or some things that um, or maybe that doesn't work. But I think certainly um, evidence that people are returning to the site, that they're consuming more pieces of content and they're doing it more frequently and they're spending more time with your content. If you're if you're seeing all of those things, I think it's a, only a matter of time before you do start to see conversions that are like directly attributable to that um, to that relationship.
1: And you know what? It was it was kind of open ended, too, because for everyone, you might be thinking, oh, I, I measure this or I measure this over here. Yeah, it matters at the purpose and the stage of the journey like it may change. If, you know, what, what is the purpose of the content? And what is the appropriate expectation that you would want as a desired business result? So if you want them to click through, then a click through rate would be something you'd want to add in that mix. You always have to have traffic. So just consider that a default. If you're not playing the numbers games, you're not going to have anybody come through that funnel for you. Um, Even on the flip side, though, uh, when you have written pieces of content, a blog piece is different than a social media piece Mm -hmm. is different than a, a press release piece by itself different than an advertisement you put somewhere. you know, All those things matter. They can all tie into SEO depending on how you slice and dice. But just keep in mind, what's the purpose of the content if you're creating genuine, insightful, and helpful information? So I want to take this right into some myth busting because we love doing some myth busting on the show. So we're talking about, again, content creation and SEO as a respected art form within itself. But what are some myths around SEO that maybe you could bring to life that we could bust right now?
0: Oh, um, I mean, one of them for me is I think that it is um, an afterthought, so it's a thing you do to a piece of content after it's been written to to check the boxes. I think for um, for the for the for search engines, I, I, I honestly I'm of the belief, and I um, again this is this is an opinion, but um, that the more we can infuse that certainly keyword strategy um, into writing in the first place and think about, um, again, not mechanically writing content um, with an SEO outcome in mind, but sort of like spiritually, what is this, what is this trying to do and making sure that, the that writers, whether they're an internal resource or whether they are you know a contractor or whether you're working through a platform or agency that that individual is armed with as much information about what it's supposed to do as possible. Um, I I have a thought that you know both just from the sheer number of entities that, and platforms marketers need to work with and just fatigue from that but also from a quality perspective I, I don't i think the order of operations is wrong right now where you know you might have an external you know seo sort of entity or expert that is you know going back and changing or you know nudging your content to make it fit as opposed to going in fully loaded and putting all that work up front um you know which which may mean that over time writers not necessarily become SEO experts, but certainly SEO informed, right? I think flipping that order of operations, I think will produce tremendous efficiencies and better content.
1: I, yes, yes, because I've seen that happen so much. We, oh, we have 400 blogs. Okay, great. How do they rank? We don't really know. They're not really optimized. It's going to cost you (laughs) $10,000. We've (laughs) we've seen that to the end of time and we're making a little fun because we've all been there. And that's the thing is if you start, with the best part, you start with the basics. You start with the title and the head. Don't just say, hey, here are a few great ways to make a video. Here are five ways to create best practices video for B2B SaaS marketing. Yes. Three, three best B2B example videos and how to build them. What I just came up with those, but I'm just saying that's what people are searching for. Show me best examples. Show me best practices. Show me something that gives me a little traction just that much faster. And I think that's kind of where I'm at is start with the structure, start Mm -hmm. with the things, you know, you need to accomplish. If ranking is on that list, and figure out how you're building those articles. Don't just write things because you feel like you need to. That's the yeah. difference.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think seeing them as you know um, completely separate disciplines has um, ha- has done a disservice to to all the disciplines, right? I mean, I think it's probably put writers a little out of touch with performance or growth marketing. I think it's put growth marketers out of touch with like really authentic, well branded content <laughs> and assets. Um, and it doesn't really need to be that way. Right. I think the strategy piece um, is huge. Um, and I think, you know, your example about video, I can say personally, I have for ages asked out loud, um, c- can someone who's knowledgeable, please give me a template for how I should be writing script <laughs> for these different circumstances. Right? right. I'm confident in, you know, I'm confident in my writing ability. I'm confident in my knowledge of, in my team's knowledge of the product. I'm confident that we know what we need people to do. But I believe that there is some sort of housing or process that can make this easier and more effective in the end. So there isn't this like massive script that's written and then there's some handoff to a creative team and then the creative team's busy and then we sort of like outsource it to an agency and then it comes back and it's like, it's expensive. It's taken a long time. And it was really just aimed to, to get the customer to like take one action um, and we'll know if it's going to work, right? And, and I think the flip side of that is, you know, I think it's great when you have individuals or groups of individuals that are self-starters and like are doing like DIY video all throughout the company, but then there's like no no consistency, right? Um, so it's like, how do you get to a, um, if you've done any like the HubSpot certifications, you know, they leverage their employees it's a different, um, I, I taught a class at University of Utah using a, a lot, leveraging a lot of their materials. And it was kind of fun because everybody in the class had a different favorite, like HubSpot employee when we get to that section. So it's like they had personality and they were about widely different topics, but they had that format nailed. So you knew what to expect. And even you knew what to expect when, you know, Jimmy was the was the um, speaker or whatever else. Um, and I know that that didn't happen by accident. They have tremendous resources and have focused on this. But, like, I wanted a mini version. I wanted a mini version of that everywhere I've been at. Just, like, tell me what to do, and I will slot in the pieces. But I want this to be a minimum, like, bar for good um, and consistent.
1: Yes. Like, the, the the part that we were just talking about, it like, took forever. It was expensive. It wasn't really originally what we intended. Enta- all yeah. this effort for this little thing. Um, We can avoid a lot of that drama if you start with one core piece and then you build supplementary content beyond that that helps support that original content that links back to that content that is a part of the journey. You get to the end of the blog, we've all seen it. hey, if you like this, you might like these next three blogs that are really similar to what you're talking about. If you group content together and you can start with some basics then your experience or someone you can bring in for some fresh ideas can help take it the rest of the way, but it starts with purpose. What is the purpose? What is the desired business result? And then we can go from there. And I think that's kind of where that feng shui part comes in. What does your brand stand for? How does your brand communicate? Like that's really the storytelling part. And that's kind of what brings me towards the end of this is that you have so much going on. You have shared so much with us today, what is next for you and Verblia? What are some of the exciting things coming around the corner for you?
0: Well, I mean, I've been, uh, like I said, I've been spending a lot of time thinking about what what are the next products, you know, or we'll call them products, but like what are the next ways people can buy, I wouldn't say buy content, but buy things that support their content strategy. You know, how can we guide people towards buying the right collection of things that's going to help them with that desired outcome? Um, and then I think the other thing for me that's a sort of personal um a uh, really nerdy area of interest, but I love, um, SAS packaging and pricing. I love value-based pricing. And, um, I've spent a lot of time in a lot of places helping people through all stages of that. But I feel like, um, just the place where, where Burblio is at, it's a, it's like ripe for, um, maybe disrupting the way people buy that a little bit and having them think about it differently. And, you know, just being in a, a company that's very, um, that's very, Open to those things and, and doing those things has been awesome because there's nothing worse than a, you know, uh, a really theoretically well-thought-out strategy that, that never sees the light of day, right? So I think it's um, just a great a great space within marketing and a great time to be able to test some of those things and say, like, we know content is, is changing. Um, how do we get customers to think about it and think about how they buy it? Or how do we get the right customers, right, to think about it this way? Um, and again, in, a, in, a, in a, a value-based exchange that truly helps them uh, achieve their business objectives.
1: That's right. And what we put down in paper may not always be exactly what gets executed sometimes, but as long as we start with what the business result needs to be and we can follow some best practices and guidance, the structured part of of marketing, that 50% part that we've discussed taking it the rest of the way. And we all know that you've got that passion in there for our audience. We know that you want to bring that story to life. And so that's what's going to be about next is how do we take that, all the, the, the best practices, and then optimize it for you? How do you bring your message to life to the niche that you want to rank for? And that's where we find ourselves at the end of the show. So thank you, Laura, for joining us. We're so excited to have you again. We really appreciate you. We look forward to having you again in the future. And for our audience members, make sure that you click that review and subscribe button and we will talk to you soon. Thanks again.
0: Well, thank you so much. Take care.